Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 96 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I hope this episode finds you well, and I thank you for giving me some of your time today. If you're listening to this episode the day it drops, then yesterday was Easter here in the States. So today, I'm presenting to you a special episode of a dozen egg-themed Turn of Phrases tidbits. Let's get right into the hunt and fill our brain baskets with today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Let's begin with the etymology of the word egg. We begin with the pi root words of oyo and oyo. Either way you spelled it, it meant egg even way back then in old-timey times. But how did this root word get to the modern-day word of egg? It next was the Proto-Germanic word aja. This became egg in the Old Norse language, spelled E-G-G, although it was also spelled as E-G-G-E in some Northern England dialects. For timeline purposes, Old Norse was spoken from around the 9th century to the 13th century. And as a reminder, Pi, or Proto-Indo-European, is where the root words for many of the things we still say were formed. And it was spoken from around 4500 BC to 2500 BC. So over the course of around 5,000 years, this word changed from Oyo to Egg. Now that we know where the word came from, let's look at how eggs can act. Good egg and bad egg are ways to say something or someone is, well, good or bad. How did the egg become the scale of how good or bad something is? Well, to understand them both, we need to look at bad egg first, because it was the first one used of the two. If you have ever cracked open an egg that had gone bad, you knew it immediately. The foul, pungent odor of bad eggs is unmistakable. No one seems to know exactly where the saying came from, but it was in use by at least the mid-19th century, as we find it in a September 1856 article from the Milwaukee Daily American, a newspaper from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It read, quote, Mayor Wood is moving heaven and earth to procure his renomination. One of his dodges is to get up letters in the newspaper, pretending to emanate from distinguished citizens, including merchants, mechanics, and workingmen soliciting him in the most pathetic terms to present himself to the dear people. There are also on the list a number of notorious blacklegs whom Woods keeps in pay. He is a bad egg. End quote. Calling someone a good egg came about simply as an opposite of bad egg, although exactly when and where it came from is unknown. Now we have good and bad, so let's look at the in-between. A curate's egg is something that is described as partially bad and partially good, although often dishonestly. It's basically a way to say that something or someone is bad, but no one wants to call it bad, so they point out the good parts of the person or thing. It's like sugarcoating something, making it seem better than it is. A curate is a clergy member that is an assistant to a vicar, rector, or parish priest. 
This phrase comes from a cartoon that was published in Judy, a British satirical magazine, on May 22nd of 1895. It featured a bishop and his curate eating breakfast together at the bishop's home. The bishop said, quote, Dear me, I'm afraid your egg's not good. End quote. To which the curate replied, quote, Oh yes, my lord, really, er, some parts of it are very good. End quote. Now, most people attribute this saying to another cartoon published in Punch, another British magazine. It was called True Humility, and it was by George de Marier, a famous Franco-British cartoonist and writer. However, his cartoon wasn't published until November 9th of 1895, so it was a copy of the one from earlier in the year. The wording and imagery are slightly different, but the idea is the exact same. In order to not offend the bishop he works for, the curate points out the good parts of his bad egg. I'll post the two cartoons on social media later today, so be on the lookout for that. Now, let's egg someone on. To egg someone on means to encourage or urge them to do something. Usually, it's used to try to convince someone to do something they don't want to or shouldn't do. This is sort of an egghorn, as it originally was to edge, as in to edge someone towards doing something. The word edge used in this way is traced back to the Old Norse word edja, which meant to goad or to incite. In the early 13th century, people began saying egg instead of edge, most likely due to how similar the two words sound. To egg on was in use by at least the 16th century which is evidenced by its use in Horace, his Art of Poetry, Pistols, and Satyrs Englished, a work by Thomas Drant, an English clergyman and poet. Although this book was published in 1566, it is a translation of collected works by Horace, the Roman poet, who lived from December 8, 65 BC to November 27, of 8 BC. So the saying, at least in some form, could be considered to be dated back to ancient Rome. Anyway, here is what Thomas Drant wrote in the translation. Quote, Il egg them on to speak some thing, which spoken may repent them. End quote. Now let's collect eggs. Don't put all your eggs in one basket means that you shouldn't put all your resources into one thing, because if it fails, you won't have anything to be able to fall back onto. Many people attribute this one to Miguel de Cervantes, the Spanish author who wrote Don Quixote in 1605. He wrote, quote, It is the part of a wise man to keep himself today for tomorrow and not venture all his eggs in one basket. End quote. Some do think that this is based on an older proverb, which, translated from Latin, says, Venture not all in one ship. Whether Cervantes created it or built it off of an older proverb, he most certainly helped increase this saying's popularity and usage. One more thing, Samuel Clemens, whose pen name was the more well-known Mark Twain, put similar but updated advice in his 1894 book, Puddinhead Wilson. He wrote, quote, Behold, the fool saith, put not all thy eggs in one basket, which is but a manner of saying, scatter your money and your attention. But the wise man saith, put all your eggs in the one basket, and watch that basket. Now, let's look stupid. 
If you have egg on your face, then you appear to be stupid due to something you did or said. This one is relatively new, as it doesn't seem to come into use until the mid-20th century. In The Bee, a Danville, Virginia newspaper, we find an explanation that its origin was 1940s slang used by teenagers. In an article from August 27th of 1941, we find, quote, A peek at the script turned up these gems, which Jane says are in the vocabulary of most any 15-year-old these days. Hold your lava, Vesuvius, to a talkative friend. There I was, with egg on my face, describing embarrassment. End quote. Now, some people think that this is actually an evolution of an earlier phrase, an egg-sucking dog. This can be used to mean scoundrel or that someone has a bad habit. This refers to dogs on farms sneaking eggs from the henhouse, which when eaten would leave egg on their faces. Others still say that it goes back to the old-timey times practice of throwing eggs at performers that they didn't like. Do you want to know the history of chucking food to show displeasure? Then check out episode 64. Anyway, it could also be from Victorian theater, where eggs would have been smashed on someone's face to get a laugh, kind of like a pie in the face. It's likely that egg on your face came about as a combination of at least some of these ideas. Now let's move on and make an omelet. You can't make an omelet without breaking eggs means that to make or achieve something, something else must be destroyed. This one is attributed to Francois de Charette, a French royalist soldier and politician. He was one of the leaders of the War in the Vendée, an uprising in the Vendée region of France during the French Revolution. Somewhere between 170,000 and 200,000 people died as a result of this revolt and apparently when the high death toll was pointed out to Charette, and it was implied that he was at least in some part responsible, he said, quote, Yes, omelets are not made without breaking eggs. End quote. Now, the war in the Vendée happened in 1793, and some people say that the saying was being used in France as early as the 1740s. But even so, Charette is still often cited as the person who coined the phrase. Now let's have a beer. To have egg in your beer can mean something is easy, you get something for nothing, or to have too much of a good thing. One potential explanation for this one is that in old-timey times, putting a raw egg in a beer was a way to clear up cloudiness. Cloudy beer was cheaper, as the quality was lower, so adding an egg made the beer look better, and therefore seem worth more money. So for the small extra cost of the egg, you had a much nicer beer at least in appearance. Idiomatically, this one is another newer phrase. I couldn't find any information about Edwin Coulson, but he published a list called Aeroplane Factory English in the April 1938 edition of American Speech, which was an academic journal of the American Dialect Society. In it, he defined egg in your beer as, quote, an easy job, something for nothing, end quote. A note about the saying stated, quote, This trade dialect was collected at the Douglas factory, Santa Monica, California. End quote. So it's likely that its idiomatic start was somewhere in a California factory in the early 20th century. Now, let's walk carefully. To walk on eggshells means to speak carefully. 
The idea behind it is pretty straightforward. Eggshells break easily when stepped on. This cause for literal careful stepping has become a way to say speak carefully, since having to watch your words carefully can be related to how you must watch carefully where you place your feet when walking around eggs. Information about the origin is a bit thin, but the Oxford English Dictionary states that the original version in the 18th century was tread on eggs. It's defined as to walk warily as on delicate ground. The eggs didn't turn to eggshells until the late 19th century. The OED defines walk on eggshells as to be extremely cautious in one's actions or words, especially so as to avoid offending or angering others. The first known use in print is from The Woman in White, a suspense novel written in 1860 by Wilkie Collins, an English novelist. He wrote, quote, With that woman for my enemy, I walk, in your English phrase, upon eggshells. End quote. Now let's nest. To have a nest egg means that you've set money aside for later use. This one comes from the practice of placing an egg, be it real or fake, into the nest of a hen to get her to lay more eggs. People have been doing this to increase egg production since at least the 14th century, but the saying doesn't seem to become idiomatically used until the 17th century. In 1927, some letters from 1686 were printed, and one included this quote, The rest, I perceive, he is not troubled should remain as a nest egg till a farther occasion. End quote. Basically, using an egg to get more eggs meant you could get more money, and the practice became a saying. That's really all there is to it, so now let's lay an egg. To lay an egg means to be unsuccessful or to fail. This one comes from early 20th century show business and was used to describe a show that didn't stay open long due to lack of success. The usage that made it more popular was in a show business newspaper called Variety. In 1929, after the stock market crash, the newspaper said of the event, quote, Wall Street lays an egg. End quote. Some people think that this stems from the fact that an egg has the same shape as a zero, and when a sports team doesn't score, they have zero points, or a goose egg. Ergo, they have laid an egg by failing to score. And speaking of goose eggs, let's move on to our last phrase of the day. To kill the goose that lays the golden egg is an idiom that means that greed causes you to do something that you think will be profitable, but in fact is not. This one is attributed to one of Aesop's fables, although many fable writers have included versions of the tale in their works. And as we've discussed before, there is some debate as to whether or not Aesop wrote all of his fables, collected them from other sources, or did a combination of the two. Nevertheless, Aesop's version is probably the most well-known. Here is the basic premise. A couple have a goose that lays one golden egg every day. They slowly begin to become more wealthy because of the special bird, but become impatient with having to wait for more gold every day. They decide to kill the goose and get all the gold out at once. To their dismay, when they butcher the bird, they find no gold inside, and realize too late that the gold only could be obtained while the goose was alive. Their greed cut them off from future riches. It's a tale that warns the reader to not be greedy, 
and to look at the big picture rather than only considering what's happening right now. Okay, toppers, that's a dozen egg-related tidbits for you. Now it's time to crack open today's familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from C.S. Lewis. Quote, It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are like eggs at present, and you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary decent egg. We must be hatched or go bad. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Lewis, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, love advice from old-timey times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't think you can each go your own way and be as happy as if you pulled in double harness. In all important matters, you want to pull together. And now for the men. Don't talk down to your wife. She has as much intelligence as your colleague at the office. She lacks only opportunity. Talk to her, explaining when necessary, of anything you would talk of to a man. And you will be surprised to find how she expands. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 96. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnaphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, I hope you have an excellent day. Toodaloo.